Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the World Hopper's Guide to the Cosmere. I'm your host, Arian, and this week, we have another hybrid of Cosmere terminology and real-world metaphysics, so expect things to get weird as we talk about identity with a capital I. Spoilers ahead for the Stormlight Archive, as well as Mistborn Secret History, but really this episode isn't going to make a whole lot of sense unless you already have a fairly familiar grasp of Cosmere mechanics, so let's go. Identity is a tricky thing in the Cosmere, because it's used as a specific technical term as well as a more general one. For the beginning of this episode, we'll talk about the specific spiritual identity with a capital S and a capital I, the attribute that is shared by all things in the Cosmere, which interacts with investiture and connection in a variety of magical ways. Later, we'll talk about personal identity of a person in general, uh, what it means basically to be the same person I was yesterday. For now, though, we'll start with the closest thing we have to a dictionary definition, the Coppermind. So, per the Coppermind, identity is a spiritual attribute within the Cosmere that demarcates one from being another for the purposes of investiture. It acts as a sort of spiritual DNA, and it functions together with connection in order to form a link to various forms of investiture. This definition gives us a good anchor point for what identity is doing, Fundamentally, it relates to investiture. Identity is a spiritual attribute that's not very well understood, but it acts as a buffer in a lot of magic systems, a unique personal key that unlocks certain magical attributes. A ferrochemical metal mine, for example, can only be tapped by the person who stored the attribute in the first place. That is, if another ferrochemist tried to use the metal mine, they wouldn't be able to because their identity is the wrong key for the lock. The same thing happens when an Awakener stores breath in an object. Only the person with the same identity can then retrieve the breath. Or it might be better put to say that a person with a different identity cannot retrieve the breath, because we'll get into the specifics of why that's different later. Spiritual identity is tied up with what's called the spirit web, and basically everything else. An Allomancer is an Allomancer because they have the appropriate spiritual identity while a table has a table-shaped bead in Shadesmar, because it, too, sort of has its own identity of being a table. That said, living things, and especially sapient thinking creatures, are privileged in some way. Their identities are constantly changing and growing, shaped by the various physical and cognitive factors in the world. They are therefore represented in the cognitive realm as lights, rather than as beads or shadows. Now, with all that said, spiritual identity can get messed around with in a lot of interesting ways, especially, as you'd guess, with magic systems. Soulcasting, naturally, uses the surge of transformation to change objects in the physical realm. Stones can be turned to grain, bodies to stone, and, at its most extreme, entire people can be turned into smoke and crystal, as shown by Yasna Kolin brutally killing several thugs in Carbronth. Obviously, soulcasting requires a significant effort of will as shown most obviously in the joke that you're all waiting for me to make. Yes, the almighty stick could be fire, but Shallan is unable to convince it to transform its identity. Notably, the wording on the Coppermind and in words of Brandon is a little slippery about the nature of soul casting, with the word identity not actually appearing in the wiki entry for that magic system. But I'm pretty sure that's what has to be going on when you're changing things in the Cosmere, you're changing their identity. But anyway, 
Forgery is the other magic system that interacts with identity on a obvious surface level. A soul stamp is placed on an object to rewrite their cognitive and spiritual history. This is easiest to do when the change is something that's plausible, something that's closer to the object's existing identity. It's easier to make a rotting table look like a polished one than it is to make the same table look like a sword. As a consequence, forgers are particularly realmatically aware, which gives rise to this quote from Shea in The Emperor's Soul. All things exist in three realms, Gautona. Physical, cognitive, spiritual. The physical is what we feel, what is before us. The cognitive is how an object is viewed and how it views itself. The spiritual realm contains an object's soul, its essence, as well as the way it is connected to the things and people around it. A soul stamp on a person lasts only for a day or so because of the aforementioned point that privileges humans over objects. Their identity is shifting and growing every day, every moment. Healing magic in the Cosmere works by a similar limitation. You heal up to your ideal spiritual self, filtered through your cognitive sense of identity. If a wound is an obvious aberration, like you just got shanked in the gut or received a tattoo, then healing magic like the Surge of Progression or Ferrochemical Gold will work on you and undo whatever it is. But if you accept the injury or change or whatever you want to call it as a part of yourself, like a finger that got cut off 20 years ago or having bad eyesight since childhood, healing won't help you. The Lopen from Stormlight was able to heal his missing arm because he never stopped seeing himself as the two-armed Herdazian. Now, for the really weird stuff we turn to Mistborn, uh, specifically Ferukumi and Hemalurgy. Aluminum and Duralumin, a pair of metals which deserve an entire episode of their own, are the key players here. Ferukumists can store identity in aluminum, while Duralumin Hemalurgic spikes <laughs> Duralumin Hemalurgic is a fun one to say, by the way. Uh, those spikes can steal identity from a person. The ability to precisely manipulate identity here leads to some wild interactions with other magic systems. By storing identity, a Farukamist effectively blanks themselves. And that's not me covering up a word with the word blank, they are quote-unquote blanking themselves. If they have more than one ferrochemical ability, then a blanked Farukamist can create what's called an unkeyed metal mind. They store their identity in an aluminum mind first, then fill the other metal mind. A different Ferrukamist or fairing with access to the respective metal can then tap that metal mind and draw forth its power. In the first Mistborn trilogy, uh, Terra's Keepers filled their copper mines with memories by verbally repeating them to the next generation of Ferrukamists, who then stored those memories in their own new copper mines. An unkeyed copper mine would simplify that process, letting any Ferrukamist access the same copper mine for those memories. And this principle holds in the general case. There's a word of Brandon from the Arcanum Unbounded release party in 2016, which says, If you can unkey the magic with identity for almost any case, it's going to make it much easier for other people to use. That's going to be a blanket statement through the Cosmere. If you can blank your identity, it's at least going to be able to be used by someone else with a blank identity. Sometimes it's keyed, so the blank will not work with somebody who is themselves keyed. But if you can blank and they can blank, you can almost always guarantee the magic will be able to be used. Storing identity also leads to other weirdness. Store your identity and then tap ferrochemical connection, and you'll be able to speak with an accent of the region you're connecting to, which is a boost uh, above just being able to speak the language through translation. Amusingly, 
an aluminum mine that's filled and then awakened with nightblood level breaths would be influenced in some way by the Verukamist's identity, but it wouldn't be a perfect match in personality. So, now that I've gotten through saying the phrase ferrochemical identity 20 times without wanting to die, let's take this into a weirder direction and talk a little bit about cognitive shadows. We did an entire episode on cognitive shadows, but to recap, a cognitive shadow occurs when a person dies, and a significant influx of investiture, presumably on the cognitive realm, fills them to the point of achieving sentience. In a way, spiritual identity provides a framework that can then be filled in by the investiture, creating the, quote, shadow of a person that can maintain their personality and memories. We see this occur with the Returned on Nalthus and the Heralds on Roshar, but those are special cases because they actually have found a way to regain bodies on the physical realm. This also happens to some extent on Threnody, where the Forests of Hell have the Shades, but those are not quite physical entities and they don't really bear any resemblance to the people who died, so... Eh, not really. The most striking case uh, of this happening kind of in its purest form is what we see with Kelsier in Mistborn Secret History. After being killed by the Lord Ruler, Kelsier finds himself awakening on the Cognitive Realm and then entering the Well of Ascension to effectively remain there as a purely cognitive entity. Why are we even talking about this? Well, I think it's an interesting question to ask simply. Is the Kelsier who awoke in the Cognitive Realm the same man as the one who died in the physical? And uh, that question of identity is not super obvious. <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about this. So, the existence of spiritual identity as a concept is not really up for debate. It is just a fact in the Cosmere. It's spiritual identity that creates the mold that investiture fills in making a cognitive shadow. The question that's more interesting, and the one that Brandon has been a little more cagey about for good reason, is the metaphysical question of whether a cognitive shadow is in fact identical with the person on the physical realm who died. That is, are they one and the same thing, or are they two different things? There are, in the real world, uh, two contradictory but intuitive answers. There's actually more answers and a lot I could say on this topic, but I'm going to keep it to just sort of the simpler version. One answer to the question is yes. Kelsier died on the physical realm, but Kelsier survived as a cognitive shadow. There was one person, a mistborn made of flesh and blood who had an ego the size of cell and memories of being married to Mare. Then that same person got pimp-slapped into the cognitive realm, where they just barely managed to get to the Well of Ascension and receive enough investiture to survive indefinitely. That person has the same ego, the same memories, and the same name. It's Kelsier. Now, the other intuitive answer is no. That person is not the same. He might think that he's Kelsier, but he's obviously not the same person. Why? Well, Kelsier was made of flesh and blood. Kelsier's cognitive shadow is made of investiture. Even if we say that investiture, energy, and matter are all just different forms of each other, it's still obvious that the stuff that makes up Kelsier isn't the same. He might think he's Kelsier, but he's wrong. You'll notice that what hasn't been mentioned here is a single, simple word that would answer all of this. At no point have we said anything about Kelsier's soul. If we knew for a fact that Kelsier had a soul, which we'll define as a non-physical object that nevertheless has mental properties and has the ability to control the person's body, and we were able to track this soul, we'd have a definitive answer for where Kelsier was in all of this. This view, that souls exist and can survive the death of the body, is known as dualism, 
and is one that is held by some philosophers. Like every view we're going to talk about from here, this is a controversial take. I disagree with dualism and the notion of souls personally, but the gist is that this is still a hot topic with a lot of thoughts on a bunch of different sides. And so, for this very reason, just like we talked about in the Nature of God episode, Brandon has specifically stayed away from answering the question of souls definitively. He won't say if there is objectively a soul, because that's a question that we are still grappling with. What he will say is that there is a spiritual identity, investiture, and cognitive shadows, which are all observable phenomena within the Cosmere. And there are also characters who believe there are souls. The word soul does come up in world a lot. Now, spiritual identity might be the closest thing we have to a soul. It's a non-physical thing that persists over time, even though it's constantly shifting while a person grows. With that said, that would mean that identity furukumi is draining a person's soul, and that soul casting and soul stamping are both, well, uh, living up to their names. But if that's the case, then we're getting closer to giving tables and chairs souls, in the way that we're giving humans literal souls, which feels like it starts to dilute whatever the concept of a soul is. I'm not sure, you might disagree there. Setting aside the soul criterion, which is definitely a defended, but I think a minority view among real-world metaphysicians, I could be wrong about that, uh, but we're going to go with it. There are two main competing theories about what constitutes personal identity. The first is the psychological criterion, and the second is the biological criterion. These two views align with the intuitive reactions to the Kelsier situation that I mentioned earlier. The psychological criterion is of a sort endorsed by John Locke, which holds that I am identical with my psychology, my memories, my characters, my beliefs. What makes me identical with me as a baby is the fact that I have a series of overlapping memories. I may not remember being a baby, but I remember myself yesterday, who has memories of me from the day before, who has memories of myself from the day before, and so on and so forth. The view, if you believe it, leaves open the possibility of digital immortality through uploading your consciousness to a computer, if that technology ever becomes available. As a downside, it means that I do not survive total amnesia. Once those memories are gone, I am gone. What does this mean for Kelsier? Well, the cognitive shadow looks like Kelsier and monologues like Kelsier, so it's Kelsier. Hooray! The biological criterion, meanwhile, holds that I am identical with my body. If my memory is wiped, I still survive as long as my biological organism continues to live. If this criterion is true, I survive amnesia, but I don't survive things like teleportation or uploading my consciousness. In this case, Kelsier dies, and a distinct individual with Kelsier's psychology arrives in the cognitive realm made of investiture. Now, to this person, they are absolutely continuous with Kelsier. They have all of his memories, they remember what he remembers, and they remember dying. But this view says that shouldn't be particularly comforting to Kelsier in the moments before he dies. After all, why does it matter to him that someone else who thinks he's Kelsier is about to be walking around on the cognitive realm? He is about to die and cease to exist. In the case of cognitive shadows, then, the body obviously dies, but investiture fills the spirit web in a pattern that is psychologically continuous with the living human on the physical realm. The biological criterion says that I am the hardware, the physical body, or the investiture, but not both. The psychological criterion, meanwhile, says I am the software, the memories, the beliefs, the thoughts, and that can proceed and survive in different ways. There are some interesting metaphysical theories that 
kind of shed some light on this puzzle. Uh, Four-dimensionalism is one, the idea that all times exist and objects extend through time in the same way that they extend through space. So I'm not just a 3D object. I am the 4D object bounded on one end by the time I'm born and another end by the time I die. This nets you some weird views to say the least, uh, but kind of every view on this topic does if you think about it too hard. Uh, but that's a whole boatload of philosophy that I don't really have the time in one episode of a podcast that is ostensibly about fantasy books. Thanks for, if you've listened this far, by the way, thanks, because this is really going off the deep end. But personally, I'm not sure what I believe on the matter. I think that an uploaded consciousness is not identical with the physical person. If I can talk to my uploaded consciousness, then obviously I am not identical with it. At the same time, I don't know if I survive amnesia. If Kelsier's shadow became a shade on Threnody, I'm not sure I would say it's the same person. So, is Kelsier's cognitive shadow identical with the living Kelsier? I'm tempted to say no, but it doesn't make the cognitive shadow's experience any less sympathetic or human or worth following. If anything, the view I find myself drawn to the most belongs to philosopher Derek Parfit. Uh, identity can't persist through changes. All of us are different people at different times, as we have different experiences. You are, quite literally, not the same person you were as a five-year-old. Thankfully, though, Parfit says that identity is not what matters in survival. That must be something else, some continuing connectedness of memories that lets us care about our past and future selves in a way that isn't the same as strict identity. So, in a sense, whether the cognitive shadow is identical with Kelsier doesn't really matter. What matters is that, once more, he survives. So thanks for listening to this episode of the World Hopper's Guide. I know it was a very weird one. Uh, let me know if you have any comments, counter-arguments, or thoughts about things I got right and wrong in this episode, or on the podcast in general, or if I should really just stick to talking about Cosmere stuff and not all the weird things that the second half of this episode was. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you have those thoughts, send them in an email to worldhoppersguide at gmail.com or in a comment on the Reddit thread. Uh, if you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe to the show or recommend it to your Cosmere-friendly friends. Um, if you enjoy the show and would like to support it, I really appreciate a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps get the show seen by more people and widens our little community. Uh, special thanks to Jonah and Trellium, the first two Patreon supporters after the announcement last episode. I really appreciate it. Um, and if, if you would also, uh, dear listener, like to, uh, subscribe on Patreon, that would be lovely. Uh, it's, it's really up to you. Uh, but anyway. As always, thanks to Kevin McLeod for the intro music, thanks to Brandon Sanderson for these books, and thanks to you for listening. See you next time.